say to your heart today through Thomas. Amen. Well, hello there. Welcome. Welcome me. Okay, that's why you say it anyway. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor for me to come and share in this church. Your church is so near uh, and dear to my heart, though I don't come here, but have worshipped here um, many times. In fact, let me share with a few things. Um, years ago, when Carlos and Carla were uh, ministering, and, and Carla, Carlos was pastoring in Cleveland, Tennessee, the church that he was pastoring before he came to Watkinsville, he, uh, he actually had me come to do, do a revival for him and some other things there. That church was a great church, was growing. We uh, during the revival, saw a lot of people get saved, and it was just exciting. And then shortly after that, he calls me and says, Thomas, I think God's calling me to go to uh, Watkinsville, Georgia. I said, Where, where's Watkinsville? And I said, man, that church in Cleveland is doing so great. I, I just, uh, I'm just surprised to hear this. And he said, well, I just feel God is doing this. And so uh, I was really uh, involved in just watching him go from uh, Cleveland to come to Watkinsville and then just see what God uh, has done right here on this property and all across this community for so many years and praise God for this amen Watkinsville First Baptist wasn't what you're sitting in you know 20 years ago 25 years ago and uh, praise God that it is what it is right now and just think about the impact that your church is having not only here in Oconee County and of course Clark uh, County and all across Georgia but really the world and so thank God for your ministry actually my oldest daughter goes to church here she is a physical therapist in Athens and uh, and because of the fact that we've been friends forever and this is the church uh, she loves it so much and she's getting married in June and her fiance comes here uh, her fiance is Harrison he's actually from Texas uh, moved here to build a, a lab in, uh, in Athens and uh, they've now met and are getting married in June so pray for me okay and pray for my 401k, all right? It, it's a 201k right now. But anyway, my youngest daughter is actually serving on the foreign mission field. She's up in Ohio, and uh, we just, uh, that was a joke. Anyway, <clears throat> not a good one. I'll take that one off the list. But uh, her husband, new husband, in fact, they're newlyweds, uh, so we're flat broke. But anyway... Uh, her husband is uh, in law school at Ohio State, and uh, so we're grateful. We're a blessed family. My wife's here. Carrie, if you'll just wave, and everybody can kind of see where you are. I'm not going to make her stand because I always get in trouble for that, but she's over there, all right? But uh, we're a blessed family and blessed to know the Sibley family. Anybody knows the Sibleys, they're blessed. In fact, Carla, I want you to know that two of your kids were here on time for church and on the front row, if you're watching right now, so... That's a real victory for, for families. But I want to say this as well. I, I want to thank your church for the way in which you are in, engaging and, and really ministering beyond your campus here. Um, you're a part of what's called the Georgia Baptist Convention. Uh, think about this for just a moment. Uh, maybe you don't know much about it, but I will share with you just a little glimpse about it. Because there's a lot of things that Georgia Baptists are known for, and usually we're known for what we're against. But we're for a whole lot of things. We're, we're for hope. We're for peace. We're for love. We're for, we're for really for, for life and for families. And uh, let, me, let me share with you a couple of things here. There's 3,600 churches in the Georgia Baptist Convention. 3,600. There are more Georgia Baptist churches in Georgia than there are McDonald's. All right? Get a picture of that. Take that, Ronald. How you like that? All right? 
But I will tell you, uh, our, our Happy Meal is a whole lot better than theirs. But anyway, 1.4 million Georgians go to a Georgia Baptist church. So one in 10 Georgians uh, are Georgia Baptist. We do a lot of things. We plant churches all across Georgia, and we really help in planting churches all across North America and the world. Uh, in fact, in just a few weeks, we're going to be meeting with uh, the leadership of every country in Central America and a meeting in, in uh, Costa Rica. And that meeting will be just talking about how Georgia Baptists can be working to reach and help the churches in, in Central America reach them. We're also partnering with countries in South America to do the same, to, to encourage pastors, but to also to educate and to, uh, and to mentor pastors and to strengthen their churches and to plant churches all across that continent there of South America and, of course, Central America, South and Central America there. So it's incredible, but there are some things that we're doing right here in Georgia that I think you would be very encouraged by. You know, there's needs in Georgia. If you, the needs are endless. If we began to make a list, we would go, oh, my goodness, we could do it for days and days and days. But there are five things that we're focusing in on as Georgia Baptist, and we have an emphasis called Mission Georgia. And every year, Georgia Baptists take up an offering to fund that vision. Uh, and these are the five areas. I gave them to you very quickly. The first one, that, a focus, is foster care and adoption. Right now, 15,000-plus children are in the foster care program in Georgia. And they're not in there because they've done something wrong. They're in there because mom and dad are they're just in a mess. Mom and dad are so messed up that the state said, you should not have children. And so these kids need to go somewhere. Sadly, last year, Georgia... The state of Georgia spent over a million dollars putting children in hotel rooms because we don't have homes for them. And I can tell you right now, we, we've got the homes. We just need the people who have the homes to become aware of the needs. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're beating the drum for these children to say, that what a great place for them to come to a home where a family loves Jesus and loves them and loves each other. And so we're, we're, we're pushing and encouraging that strongly, doing a lot of education with that in partnerships. Foster care and adoption. The other one is literacy. Literacy is so important. Uh, in fact, we know that if a child doesn't read at the fourth grade or even the fifth grade level, by fifth grade or by fourth grade, that they become really 70% more likely to be involved in crime, to be in, on welfare, to, uh, to even drop out of school, to quit. Because at fourth grade and at fifth grade, things rapidly change and the speed of learning goes up. And if you aren't reading that level, what happens is you get left behind, you become a distraction, you get in trouble. And so what we want is Georgia Baptist churches because, listen, every county in Georgia has a Georgia Baptist church. Every county has a hope center called a church that could be partnering with a, a, a school that's in need. And so that's what we're doing. We've developed, we've developed a program to help kids continue to learn at a higher rate and read at a better, at a better level, higher level. And so that's just two of the areas. There's also pre- and postnatal care. We're developing uh, pre- and postnatal care hubs for uninsured moms all across Georgia. It's one thing for us to say, we're against abortion. Amen? But it's also another thing for us to say, by the way, since you're having that baby, we want to help you through the whole process. And then we want to help you find a church where you and that baby and your family can grow and be nurtured and, and uh, strengthened in your faith and, and find faith. So that... Another one that's so important is trafficking. Sadly, Georgia is one of the leading states in trafficking, sex trafficking. And so what we're trying to do is not only be involved in the prevention of sex trafficking, but also to help those that have been trafficked as they come out of it to, uh, to become healthy again, uh, to, uh, to have opportunities to finish their education and so on and so forth. 
And the, and the final one is immig immigrants and refugees. A lot of people are coming uh, to Georgia. Uh, a lot of times it's because of persecution in the countries that they're in. And so we want to be able to be the hands and feet of Christ here for those folks. So that's five things real quick that Georgia Baptists are doing. Aren't you, aren't you excited that you're a Georgia Baptist? In other words, you're part of an army, of an army of people that are saying, we will, we will be the answer because Christ is the answer. So we will help in every way to eradicate these, these wrongs, these ills in our, in our state. Amen? Hey, um, that's just the, the warm-up for the sermon, all right? Y'all ready? In Acts chapter 3, we have a great story of Peter and John going to the, the temple to pray. If you'll turn me through there, I'm going to read the first 10 verses there. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, I, I just want to encourage you, this sermon is going to be very challenging. I'm just kind of giving you a little prep, okay? I'm going to challenge you because I want you to become, um, I want you to become more engaged in kingdom work than you have ever done it in your life. I, I don't want you to be comfortable. God never called us to be comfortable. Listen, 75% of Georgians didn't go to church one time last year. There's nobody who's a follower of Christ who should be comfortable with that. We live in a mission field. And uh, we, we need to be, listen, we need to be stirred. <laughs> we need to be provoked to, to action. Uh, it's been said that all of the world can be placed into three categories. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody said it, so I'm going to say it, all right? So they said that you can put everybody in three categories. The first category are the people that make things happen, that get things done. And then there is the second category, and those are the people who watch things happen. And then there's the third category, and those are the people that say, what happened? And amazingly enough, we're going to find all three of those groups of people in our text today. So if you'll look with me there at Acts chapter 3, I'll, be, I'll begin reading in verse 1. And the scripture says this. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You can see all three of those groups there, can't you? You can see the people that made it happen. Peter and John, they're serving, of course, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see those that were around when that miracle took place, they're watching it. And then you see the group that are filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together. Father, we live in a land that is filled with so much hurt, so much pain, 
so many needs. And Lord, to be, to be honest, we're, we're overwhelmed by it. Sometimes we find ourselves hiding from it. But Lord, uh, you have called us to something far greater. You have asked in every aspect of who we are to dedicate and surrender all that we are. And as we become your followers, you've commanded us that we are to follow you. You want us to be light in darkness. You want us to be salt. And I pray that today as we hear from your word that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and you would find ears that are, <laughs> that are receptive and able to hear and wills that are yielded to you. And Lord, that our, our desires would be your desires for us, for ourselves. And I pray all this now in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So when we look at our world, and as we talked about this before, there's all kinds of needs, and I just listed five of those things that we're trying to uh, make a difference with as the body of Christ, and so we should. Uh, but if we're going to be those that are used by God to make a difference, to change our world, there, there are three things that I just want to bring out of our text very quickly that I think will be, uh, I think it will be very helpful for us to get handles on this. The, the first thing that has to happen is you, you and I have to see the needs. Now you say, well, wait a minute, everybody can see needs. Well, the truth is we can see needs because you can just watch the news. You can, you, can, uh, listen, you can go to any website and begin to read the news, whatever it is, and you'll see all kinds of needs. But I want to tell you there are needs all around you right now. There are needs in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex or your dorm. There are needs where you work. There are needs in your own particular family. There are needs everywhere. When we think about this incredible time in which Peter and John are entering to the temple, we're talking about something that was a very uh, common occurrence. In fact, Jewish people had the, the practice of going to the temple every day to pray, three times a day. And this was the ninth hour, the three o'clock in the afternoon. It was the third hour or final hour of prayer. And so now Peter and John are walking in, and it, it talks about they're going into the the beautiful gate, that's how it was known. There were many gates to the temple. And this beautiful gate was absolutely a spectacular sight. 75 feet tall. It was made of gold covered with bronze plates. It would take 20 men to open it and close it each day. That's how huge and magnificent it was. And what an ironic situation we have here when you have this beautiful gate to enter into the place of worship and right outside of it was a, a site unaffectionately known as Beggar's Row. Because you see, in their day, they didn't have a health care or even a, uh, a welfare system. They, they would take those who were in need and un unable to take care of themselves. And they, friends or neighbors or, or family members would carry those who were blind or couldn't, uh, or couldn't walk or whatever impairment they had. And they would take them to these places of of, of, high, of high population, high traffic, if you will, pattern. And so oftentimes they'd place them at the gate of a city. Maybe they'd put them at the gate of a rich man's house. And on this particular day, we're, we're reading about those who were placed outside the, the gate of the temple because three times a day the whole city is coming in there to pray. And so this was a, a great moment, a, a, a great opportunity. If you need money, if you're, if you're a beggar, you want to be around people who are about to go pray, well, give them a dollar, maybe God will hear our prayers kind of thing. 
And you can imagine that as they're walking into the temple, that there are all kinds of responses to the people walking in because uh, it's, you've all been there. We've all had people that have, we've seen that are in need. And you've, you've responded to needs differently in your life. I mean, there are probably those who heard the cries for help and they just, I mean, they just ignored it. You know why? It's every day. It's every day. And my goodness, I'm, I'm late for prayer meeting. Who's got time to help the poor when you, you're supposed to go pray? Amen? Sarcasm, please. Okay. There are probably those who heard the cries or maybe even got to a point where they didn't even hear it anymore. They heard it so often they just didn't even hear it. They just became dull. And then there are those, I'm sure, that have been working all day to provide maybe a meal or something to help those that were in need. You, 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 get, the, you get the picture. There's all kinds of responses, but the response we're going to be looking at is Peter and John's because they're walking into the temple through the beautiful gate. And look what it says in verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. That word there, fixing his eyes, is an interesting word. It doesn't mean to catch something out of the corner of your eye. It doesn't mean to glance at something. It literally means to be locked in, to be unable to take your eyes off of something. You've probably in your life seen something that you're like, I, I just can't quit watching it. That, that's what's happening here. Peter has been arrested by this sight and in this moment. But the question would be, why this moment? Why now? Because... As we read in Scripture, this lame man's placed here every day. Peter goes here every day to pray. Why now? What's different? The lame man's still the lame man. Peter is still Peter. And the temple and the gate, what's changed, though, is Peter. If you go back one chapter, you'll see what happened. There was an experience called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came. Listen, and listen, now the Holy Spirit lives in people no longer dwelling in tents or tabernacles. Or buildings. He now dwells in us. And Jesus had told his followers, I must leave and I'll send a helper. He will now live in you. He will help you in every aspect of your life, empower you, strengthen you, counsel you, give you wisdom and understanding, help you to see the world with brand new eyes, help you to hear the world with brand new ears. Now you can see the world like Jesus sees it because the Holy Spirit. So now here's Peter going into the temple. He sees this man, all of a sudden, he can't stop looking at him. If you and I are going to change our world, here's what has to happen. We've got to see the need. As your pastor shared with you years ago, I had the privilege and the honor of pastoring at First Baptist Alpharetta, a wonderful church, a fabulous, dear church. And uh, we wanted, as a church, to have a greater impact upon our community than we were having. And so we began to pray and began to dream and we came out with an initiative that we called Impact. It's simple as that. We want to have an impact. And then we decided we want to have three years of impact emphasis. And so we called it Impact, Pray, Serve, Tell. Those are the three activities that we wanted to do. We wanted to pray, we wanted to serve our community, and then we want to tell everyone about the love of Jesus. 
And so that first year was an emphasis on praying. And we prayed every month for a different aspect of our city. We prayed and prayer walked all of the schools and prayed and, and prayed, uh, prayed for our, our, our public um, servants, our policemen, our firemen, and those that led our city. And every month was a different emphasis. But we started off with prayer walking the city of Alpharetta. And so we had a huge map of the city of Alpharetta. And every every uh, road and every street, there it is on there. And then we just, we just drew out quadrants and gave every connect group uh, their own quadrant. This is, you're going to prayer walk. You're going to physically be on these streets and praying for these homes and these businesses and restaurants and schools and so on and so forth. And so we, we, we gave all the training for all of our church to go do this. Everybody's excited, but some were a little bit apprehensive, but the impact of this was incredible. We told them, hey, you might pass somebody and you might even tell them, hey, I'm from First Avenue, Alpharetta, and we're praying for our city. Can I pray for you? in any way, and just see what God is doing and what God's up to, and it was just incredible. The stories were, well, there's just countless stories. People would come back from prayer walking weeping as they saw their city differently. See, there's some things you see when you walk that you don't see when you're going 50 miles an hour. Hey, and in your life, hear me, if your life is going 70 miles an hour, you're missing some things. I will tell you, all of us could benefit by slowing down a little bit and saying, God, what do you want us to do? So we prayer walked the, the, uh, <laughs> the city. And then what we told everybody is, hey, God's going to speak to your heart about some things. And when you see an area of our city that you feel like God wants us to do something, come back and let's talk about it. And so people would come back and start talking. And one day, one day, Miss Paula came back, and you could tell that she was burdened. She said, Pastor, we need to do something on Marietta Street. And I said, oh, that sounds great, Miss Paula. Where in the world's Marietta Street? She said, it's three blocks from the church. I went, what? Where? And so she told me. The next day I went over there, and as I drove through a little alleyway, it opened up, and there was 18 dwelling places where the Latino families lived. And I went, oh, man. This is a great spot because what we wanted to do is pick out areas of our city, and this was our terminology, where we could hit them with the love bomb, if you know what I mean. We just wanted to go, where can we just go show the love of Christ in a very real and tangible way? And so we, we found this group where beautiful families were living. And so there were a, a large group in our church, a, large, a group of Latinos in our church that started going out there and building relationships, and we said, hey, we want to begin to start tutoring, helping your, your children in, in, uh, in school. And so we started tutoring, started a ministry on Wednesday nights, uh, tutoring the children from Marietta Street. We'd pick them up on the, in the church bus. We'd bring them. We'd have them there for a couple hours. We'd feed them dinner. Then they'd go to Bible study and some other activities there with the church. And it was just so much fun. You know why this happened? It happened because somebody saw the need. Somebody saw the need. The second thing that has to happen if you and I are going to change our world or be people who God uses uh, to make a difference is simply this. We need to, uh, we need to get involved. L look what happens here. S who, uh, seeing Peter and John, verse 3, uh, about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So get a picture here. Remember now, this is Beggar's Row. So every person that's on Beggar's Row is competing with the person next to them for the attention of those that are going to the prayer 
uh, the prayer meeting. So I can tell you it wasn't, it wasn't neat and nice and clean. It was chaotic. I mean, they were literally, help! Help me! And so what's happened now is Peter and John are walking into the, to the temple. And, and this man says to Peter and John, help me out, please! And so Peter, through the moving of the Holy Spirit in his life, cannot move. And this man, the lame man, has obviously gone to somebody else saying, over here, help, I need help. And so he's taken his attention off of Peter and John, and, but Peter and John have their attention on him. And finally they say, over here, <laughs> look at us. Hey, over here. What a powerful statement that is. You don't tell somebody who's in need to look at you if you're not intending to do something about their problem. <laughs> you know what the church should be doing? We should be telling the world that's lost and that's broken. You can look to us. We can help. As the body of Christ, we should be doing just that. Looking for opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to meet need after need after need. You know, to get involved and to get engaged in what's happening around you is, listen, is just uncomfortable for most I mean, think about it. Isn't it easier just to write a check? Go, serve. Go, help. Lord, here I am. Send him. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, if you don't see the need and get involved, hear me. Their lives aren't, aren't touched and changed. Hear me. And yours won't be either. When I think back of the days of that ministry that we started because Miss Paula saw the need on Marietta Street and, and I saw this room. I used to go on Wednesday nights. I'd go by there and just to say hello to all the children and, and see our adults in action. And it was so beautiful. I, I can remember the picture of, of one of our senior adults down on one knee, a, a 75, 78-year-old man talking to a 9-year-old Latino boy saying, God has made you so beautiful. God has made you so special. God's got big plans for you. I'm just going, oh, that this is what we should be doing. And I'm going to tell you, it was rough at first, and as... These kids began to grow and began to develop and began to, listen, began to experience things that they haven't and began to learn. It was just, it was just incredible to see the transformation. In fact, one day <laughs> I'm out uh, working in Alpharetta and I get a phone call and I actually answered the phone. It was a number I, I didn't know and I took the call anyway and said, Thomas, it's Thomas Hammond. And the person on the other line said, are you the pastor at First Baptist Alpharetta? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, are is your church the church that's working with the kids on Marietta Street? And my heart sunk for a moment. I went, hmm, that depends. Is this good news or bad news? Because if it's bad news, the Methodists are doing it. <laughs> she said, oh, no, Pastor, it's, it's good news. And I went, well, that's us. And she said, I'm the principal of their school. 
And she said, I just want you to know that the kids on Marietta Street, they are the talk of our school. I said, what, what do you mean? She said, their transformation. Everyone has noticed the transformation that's taking place on all the kids on Marietta Street. And you're talking about a heart that just exploded. We talked for a, a good while, and then she said this to me as we got off the phone. She said, Pastor, whatever you guys are doing, please don't stop doing it. Hey, you'll never, ever get that phone call if you don't see the need. You'll never have that conversation if you're not willing to get involved. The third thing that has to take place is simply this. You and I have to step out in faith. That's the third thing. You know, without faith, hear me, it's impossible to please God. Do you, do you hear that? <laughs> without faith, it is impossible to please God. The church for years has been doing things that they can do. Nobody's filled with wonder and amazement when the church does what the church can do in their own strength. It's when you and I see the need and we step out in faith, we get involved, we get engaged, we're, we're willing to put ourselves in a position where we need God to bless this or it will fail because we are attempting something bigger than us. Look with me if you will at the text. Uh, fixing his eyes on him, look at us. Then he, he says to them in verse 5, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then look what Peter does. Peter drops this on him. Man, we're broke. You know, can't you imagine that guy going, that's my luck. I finally found somebody to talk to me, and he's broke. Silver and gold I do not have. And you know what, Peter and John, neither one did have any money because they had just emptied out their pockets in the chapter before to help those that were in need of this brand new church. So now they're walking to, to church, broke financially, but watch this, but wealthy spiritually. This man's asking God, <laughs> well, God's, God's two messengers for a dollar. Listen, God always has something better than what the world can ask for. So Peter says, what I do have, I give you. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Do something you can't do on your own. Do something you've never done on your own. This is where I want you to see Peter's faith. Peter doesn't back up and say, man, I hope this works. You know what Peter does? Peter reaches his hand down to help That's the faith that Peter had. Hey, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Come on. Come on. Let me tell you something more amazing to me than Peter reaching his hand down is the lame man reaching his hand up. He knows he can't walk. But Peter believes. You know, your faith 
can impact the faith of others. So we see the story where he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So now he's leaping, jumping around, praising God, and all the people see him going, oh my goodness, that's the, the lame man. We, we've seen him every day out there. And look at him now. What has happened to him? After months of really tutoring these, these Latino students. We, uh, we actually had like a banquet. I had all their families come to this banquet to our church. And uh, we, we were just celebrating all these kids are learning and their progress and, and their grades are going up and we're just celebrating that. And, and, uh, and we, we took all the families. It's a huge, the gym was packed. And we took them in, and we escorted them all to this area of our church that we had now dedicated to all the families on, on Marietta Street. This is an area where you will come and you will be taught the Bible. And we had Bernardo, who's a, one of our, our dear laymen, a businessman, very successful, but he, he speaks Spanish fluently. He's Latino. And he said, I will be your Bible teacher. And I want all of you to come at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, this Sunday. And you know what? They came. And that night I shared the gospel and, and Bernardo translated for me. And that night, 18 adults gave their lives to Christ. And this was the beginning of the, of the Latino ministry. <laughs> it was the beginning of the ministry that God was going to use to help our church reach the Latino population of Alpharetta and North Fulton. In fact, two years later, we found another area of our community that we wanted to hit with a love bomb. And, and so we began ministering there, and now we have all of them coming back to our church for another, another kind of a banquet, if you will. And, and this particular night, though, we had a, a couple, a husband and wife, that uh, had gotten saved two years earlier at the first night. And uh, we had them come up and share their testimony. And Bernardo's whispering in my ear, translating for, for me as they're telling them their story and they said to them two years ago we were where you are and all the emotions and the fears and the anxieties that you're feeling right now we felt them too he said but two years ago Jesus Christ radically changed our lives when we placed our faith in him radically strengthened our marriage and our family now, this is when I'm sitting there. I'm, you got to understand, I'm, I'm a crybaby, so I'm back there crying my eyes out. And then, then they say, these people know God. Whew. That's so humbling. And these people, they will love you. They want to help you. And that night, 11 more adults gave their lives to Christ. Now, what happened to the lame man from our story in Mark chapter, I mean, uh, uh, Acts chapter 3? What happened to him? We, we don't know. <laughs> it just ends there, kind of. And then we go back to the, what, you know, Peter and John, and they got in big trouble and all that stuff, you know. But what happened to the lame man? I don't know. But I, I have a glorified imagination. Can I get an amen? Here's what I know didn't happen. He didn't go back to his mat and say, hey, Peter, John, that was awesome. 
alms for the poor. No. Here's where my imagination kicks in. I, I would venture to believe that he probably started some ministry for the people on Beggar's Row. Who better to serve the people <laughs> on Beggar's Row than him? Let's bow our heads for a moment. This morning, if you want God to guide you and lead you in every aspect of your life, then you, listen, you need to start every day saying, Lord, I don't want to miss one thing that you want me to do today. Lord, I want my, I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want you to guide me in every aspect of my life. Lord, give me courage, give me boldness, help me to die to myself. maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus you've never taken that step of faith but you know that you need you know that you need Jesus Christ you know that you need your sin to be forgiven you know that you you need a relationship with God and the only way to have that is through Jesus and so right now today you're saying I'm willing to take that step of faith I want to surrender all that I am to all that he is if that's true for you, and the Bible says so clearly that if you want something from God, you must ask. <laughs> and ask means that, is that, listen, it is an act of faith. In other words, you're going to trust Jesus, not yourself, not religion, not, not a church, not Baptist. Goodness, not Baptist. You're going to trust Jesus. You say, I'm ready to right now. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Well, wonderful. Then could I lead you in a prayer? Listen, this prayer is not magical in any way, but if it expresses the desire of your heart, then I would encourage you to pray it with all the faith that you have. Pray this with me. Pray it silently in your heart, knowing God's listening to you. Pray this. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to ask you to Forgive me and cleanse me of all the things that I've done that aren't pleasing to you. Today, I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. I, I want to follow you. I want you to guide me into your will. And I'm placing my faith, my everything in you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And help me to live for you each day. Just a moment, a pastor of our church will come down here. He'll stand in front of us here. And he'll be here for this reason, too, to talk with any of you who say, hey, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. I just took that step of faith. The altar is open if you want to come and pray and say, Lord, I want you to use me. I don't want to be too busy to not see the needs that are around me. In other words, this is a time for us to move in a new direction that God has for us. I'll pray, we'll stand and sing, and you come as the Lord leads. Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, may your will be done in each of our lives. May we respond to you now, and may you be glorified through our obedience. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray, and you come right now as the Lord leads.
sing us out wherever you lead me. Singing of all that you've done for us. In your name we pray, man. You guys have a great week.